Who did it? Yep. <laughs> I told Sarah, I said, I just moved that stand out there like 30 minutes ago before I went back to the house. Uh, turn over to Second Timothy, chapter 4. Thank you. I'll have to edit that out of the audio. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, tonight we're going to start chapter 4, um, and we're going to look at the first four verses here uh, as our, our section of focus this evening. We'll go ahead and read that to start. Paul writes, I charge you in the presence of God and of Je- Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom... Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So we have here a solemn charge from Paul to Timothy in view of the coming of the Lord and His judgment. Now again, that's something that we're still waiting on, right? So this charge that Paul is giving to Timothy still exists today. And it's pertaining to the preaching of the Word. So it applies to us today in that sense, in preaching the Word. Uh, It's a charge that should be considered carefully by by all, really, uh, by those who choose to or uh, have been... um, I guess, who desire to preach the Word uh, in accordance with uh, the Great Commission, um, be it through preaching from a pulpit or teaching others. Uh, this, is, you know, this applies to, to many of us. And it also um, is something to be considered by those who send and support those who preach. Um, you know, missionaries that, that go out and, and preach the Word in other areas of the world, are they doing what this charge of Paul um, has, has offered up? So our text reveals that not all preaching is the same. There is that which uh, pleases God, and there is that which clearly displeases Him. Um, With the words of Paul here, let's first examine preaching that pleases God. Um, Short and sweet, my preaching. Next point, no, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Um, So preaching that is ready, right? That's the first point here. Be ready in season and out of season. So obviously there's no preacher season or preaching season. It sounds like a hunting season, the hunting season of preachers. Uh, there is no, you know, right, well, let me forget that. There is, I'm not, we're not talking about, obviously we're not talking about weather seasons. It's more of a um, degree of preparation. This is preaching that is presented um, with, with the proper preparation, with study. Um, preaching that shows that one has given attention to reading, attention to the doctrine, att- attention to, um, to learning. You know, uh, 
something that I always say, especially uh, today is a fifth Sunday, and typically I open this Sunday up uh, for others to bring a lesson, um, but I wanted to complete our series this month. I had five lessons for this month, so it worked out that way, but whenever I um, suggest that, uh, it's really more for the, the, the man bringing the lesson. Um, more than me taking a break, it's more to get them into the Word, more so than what maybe we typically do on Sunday morning, just listening to me preach. Um, because what I have found that, and what I think is probably the most beneficial thing of my preaching thus far in my preaching short preaching career, is how much I have learned and grown just from the lessons that I've presented. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again, and I'll continue to say it as long as I'm preaching. When I preach, I'm preaching to myself, and you guys are just listening to me talk to myself. So it's that, that's, the, that's the kind of preaching that I, I want to put out because I'm learning something from it. Um, and so uh, that's uh, preaching that is ready, that uh, it is prepared. Um, it's preaching that is ready on all occasions, right? That's where the in-season and out-of-season comes from. The in-season, the word there means when, basically when the opportunity occurs. When you have the opportunity to preach, are you ready? When you have the opportunity to teach someone the gospel of Christ, are you prepared to present that to them? And then there's, of course, out of season. This is um, when you need to preach the gospel, when um, maybe it's going to be inconvenient. Maybe there's something going on, or things are going to be awkward, or there's going to be hindrances or embarrassments that, that may come from preaching. Are you still prepared to do it then? Uh, another category of preaching that pleases God, not just preaching that is ready, but preaching that corrects. Or uh, if, uh, depending on your version or your translation, um, verse 2, reprove. Right? You have reprove, you have um, correct. Um, this is to use arguments that would convince men of the truth and of their own need for it. So the, the reprove, cor, uh, correct, uh, I think can, other versions may have convince or convict uh, is another, uh, another word that's often used there as well. And this is something that Paul did. Paul did this in the synagogues in, in Acts chapter 17 and Acts chapter 19. You know, the, um, correcting error is important and th- there is a season for that need. When there is error, possibly in, in uh, something going on in the church, if there is uh, error in the life or lives of somebody in the church, there may be time for correction needed in that. And that brings me to the next one, rebuking. Teaching that rebukes, or preaching that rebukes, is preaching that is pleasing to God. Uh, this is to admonish or char- uh, charge sharply, is what uh, that word there means. Um, Gill uh, wrote... Uh, to chide for sin, sometimes this may be privately, others more publicly, according to the nature and circumstances of the offense, some more gently, others more roughly, as is needful. Um, and this is something that Paul charges Titus with in Titus chapter 2, verse 15. He said, Proclaim these things, encourage and rebuke with all authority, let no one disregard you. Uh, meaning that there's going to be a season... For rebuke, there is going to be a time for rebuke. There's going to be a time for correction, but then when you get into the next one, preaching that exhorts, right? 
That's a different kind of season. This is, this is uh, the type of preaching that encourages, that strengthens, that comforts. Um, so when you look at the two differences of seasons there, you have a season that's sons of thunder-like, right? In, in rebuking and correcting. And then you have sons of comfort. And where you are, you, you know, there are times... Uh, when it comes to preaching that we need to be focused more, um, you know, in, in comforting distressed minds um, by preaching comfortable doctrine like peace and pardon and righteousness and salvation. Of course, that's not the only thing that we should always preach because there is a time where we have to talk to the, the difficult subjects, right? Um, this last sermon series is one of those sermon series that kind of hits hard for a lot of people because we're all guilty of it. Right. There's a challenge to that. Um, And that's where the rebuke and correction comes in. But of course, at the at the under, uh, you know, underlying all of it is that that teaching of comfort, the teaching of hope. And that, you know, if we are failing, if we are struggling with these things, there is hope. You know, we have we can seek forgiveness. We can seek repentance and and uh, and be better, basically. Um, Another category that uh, is uh, pleasing to God when it comes to preaching is Preaching that is patient, right? The end of verse uh, verse 2 there, with complete patience. This is, uh, other versions may have long-suffering. Um, this is basically, I mean, the word there is, you know, pick your synonym for, for patience, forbearance, long-suffering, uh, slowness in avenging wrongs. Um, and it, I think this speaks to um, a couple of things. There's sometimes where uh, the teachings you may be bringing uh, are opposed and you may be oppressed. Uh, you know, there's, you know, negativity coming your way because of the things that you're preaching. I know of uh, a preacher friend who, who preached against homosexuality for, um, I don't know if it was a series or something, but uh, the elders asked him to stop. And he ended up leaving the church because it was wrong. You know, we should never be stopping preaching the truth. Um, And uh, there's, you know, a lot to go into that. But basically, uh, are you ready to preach and and teach those things when when perhaps um, the time is not um, the best? When you have um, people that are against you, that are people that are against your doctrine, um, that are saying all the things against you, but are you doing so with patience? Um, and that kind of ties into the last point here from Paul. Uh, preaching that is pleasing to God is preaching that is doctrinal. Um, and that's found in the end of verse 2 there where he says complete teaching. The word complete there is connected to both um, uh, patience and teaching. And so complete teaching and other words may or other versions may have specifically teaching or uh, doctrine or instruction. So this doctrine... You know, that which is taught, the things that we are pulling our, our, our beliefs from, are we teaching complete doctrine? Are we doing that uh, in our preaching and teaching? Or are we picking and choosing, etc.? Um, so preaching that pleases God is well-rounded, right? It, it encompasses everything. It encompasses the, the negatives. I'll, I'll say that negatives in that rebuking and correcting, but also the positives and doing in uh, comforting and doing uh, doing so with patience. Uh, but ultimately, the the whole focus of this is sound doctrine. Um, and that's what Paul gets into next. Um, 
Preaching that displeases God, of course, starts with unsound doctrine. Uh, If you look at verse 3, Paul says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching or doctrine, depending on your on your version there. Uh, the, the word does mean doctrine. In fact, it literally, this, the, the phrase sound doctrine literally means um, healthy doctrine or healthful doctrine. Um, and when I read that and consider that, I, it seems like it is doctrine that is healthy for the soul, right? Because when we are teaching, when we are preaching, are we doing so uh, with the focus on salvation, which is, of course, the focus on the health of the soul, um, Paul has already warned Timothy about this. He's already told Timothy that, that these times of, of these, uh, these people that are not enduring sound doctrine, that it was going to come. Uh, that in uh, 1 Timothy 4, beginning of 1 Timothy 4, uh, he talks about uh, people giving heed to deceiving, deceitful spirits. Uh, last chapter, the beginning of last chapter of here, of Second Timothy, uh, people will be lovers of self, right? They'll be uh, lovers of pleasure, etc. And you know, when we read this list, and, and we talked about it earlier when we looked at uh, the last chapter, that we hear when we read that we hear what's going on in the world. We hear exactly what's happening, especially when it comes to unsound doctrine, uh, because these people want to hear things according to their own desires, Paul says. What's going to make me happy? What's going to make me feel comfortable in what I'm doing? And oftentimes, it's this teaching, it is doctrine, it is beliefs, it is support of sinful behavior rather than rebuke of it. Um, you know, not to, not to pick on the, the homosexual topic too much, but there is a lot going on in terms of homosexuality in uh, denominations around the world. Um, you know, the, there are um, churches up the road uh, that believe, denominational beliefs that believe that homosexuality is acceptable. They have homosexual leaders within the church. Uh, and, and that, <laughs> uh, I, it really makes my skin crawl a little bit when I see that kind of stuff because I just can't understand how you can look at the Bible and understand sin and, and, and read just the New Testament, even if you left the Old Testament out of it and just read the New Testament, where you can ever get off thinking that that's okay. I mean, you clearly would have to uh, uh, completely avoid this section of 2 Timothy because that's exactly what's happening in that they are, they, that they are um, when they are guilty of things that are sound doctrine... Then they look elsewhere. They look elsewhere for somebody who's teaching a doctrine that fits their need, that fits the requirement that they have so that they don't feel like they're living in sin. Um, they, want to, they want to not be told that what's going on in their life is unhealthy for their soul. And if that's the case, if, if they're being told that what, what they're doing and what they believe and what they feel and everything is good for them, when it is contrary to what Scripture says is good for the soul, then that is, literally, when we look at the word, unhealthy for the soul. It is unsound doctrine. Another category of the type of preaching that displeases God is preaching to entertain. Um, And that comes from the itching ears part. Um, Whenever you have an itch, 
It's the best way to take care of it. You scratch it or rub it. Uh, And so when we look at this from the context that Paul is presenting here, uh, these itching ears, they, they desire to have these the itch scratched or the or tickled um, with things that are pleasing and agreeable to natural men and to carnal minds, rather than again sound teaching, endless curiosity and insatiable desire of variety, and they get their ears tickled with the language and the accent of the person abandoning the good and faithful preacher for the fine speaker, and we see that a lot. I'm not. I don't claim at all to be a good speaker. <laughs> Prime example right there. I don't even think that was proper English, uh, and I and I and I don't think in any sense of the word that I am uh, the best preacher that ever was. But there are people that choose the church based on a preacher, right? Even in even in uh, our our um, our body around around the world, um, you know, there are towns in the south that have multiple churches of Christ in one town. And they oftentimes, much like was going on in um, uh, was it Galatians or Corinthians, Apollos and Paul, you know, they, they're, that's my guy. And if he leaves, I'm going with him. And it happens a lot. When, it, when a preacher leaves a congregation, typically numbers will drop in terms of membership, because the members will go somewhere else because they really like that preacher and they really didn't like the new guy that they brought in. Um, and I think there's something to say about um, how wrong that is uh, in the sense of um, abandoning a family, basically, um, for itching ears, if you will, because that's really kind of what it comes down to. Um, Verse uh, 3, they will heap for themselves teachers. There's going to be plenty of teachers, especially in this growing denominational world, as more and more Christian churches Christian churches pop up. I'll put that in air quotes. Uh, by the way, Caleb learned how to do air quotes the other day. That was pretty funny. He used it completely out of context and wrong, but it was still hilarious. But, um, you know, the, these Christian churches that are popping up everywhere, uh, you know, there are plenty of teachers out there that, um, to soothe itching ears. And that's what Paul says here. They're going to heap for themselves teachers. They're going to find the teachers that please them. And the, and the sad results of this preaching, if you look in verse 4, they'll turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. The truth of God will no longer interest them. They'll have no time to hear what the truth has to say. And they're going to believe any kind of stuff, any nonsense, any, any doctrine that's being thrown out there because, hey, this guy's a really good speaker and I'm entertained by what he's saying. But see, we all have a responsibility to the Word. We all have a responsibility to the teaching that is being taught, that is being brought forth. If I ever say anything that is wrong doctrinally, I have complete faith and hope that our elders are going to approach me about that and lovingly rebuke me and correct me in that. Uh, And I hope that that happens. Uh, Instead of people murmuring, oh, can you believe he said that? Because that happens, right? Um, And that's why I always put my email up on the slides. If you ever have questions, I put it in the bulletin note. If you ever have questions about something that I've said, something I've taught... 
you know, come to me, ask me about it. I'm happy to have a conversation about it. And if I'm wrong, I will be the first one to say I am wrong, unless you tell me first. (laughs) Uh, G.K. Chesterton said, he who does not believe in God will believe in anything. How true is that? All right. Uh, If you look at our bulletin note this morning, that's exactly what's happening right now in our world. And the truthfulness of those words by Chesterson and, and by Paul this can all be seen today. People will and are rejecting the Word of God. And as I pointed out in our bulletin note this morning, they're turning to things like witchcraft and astrology. Some people believe in UFOs, in, you know, not super, yeah, well, yeah, supernatural powers and, and all of this garbage instead of the Word of God. People will reject the gospel of Christ, but they'll accept religious traditions of men. They'll say, well, you know, my, my priest or, or my pastor or whomever says that, you know, this book that, that lists out all these things that we need to do, that's, that's, what, that's what we need to do. But when you show them in God's word that that's not something you're supposed to do or not something that you need to do, they reject that for the traditions of men. People reject sound doctrine, but they accept unhealthy teaching that endangers the body and soul. See, the problem is uh, the type of preaching that people want to listen to. They, they listen to be entertained. They uh, listen to be justified in fulfilling uh, their own desires, fulfilling, um, I guess, some sense of what they believe faith or religion should be. Uh, and, and again, Pointing to, if you haven't read our bulletin note this morning, please do. And if you didn't get one and there's none left, it's on our website under the blog tab. Um, but, you know, there's our young people today uh, in this world are hungering for spirituality. And they're going everywhere but church, everywhere but the Bible to get it. Um, and so w- what can we do to uh, be better about that? And I think we address that a little bit this morning in our Bible class as well. Um, the last, uh, last thing I want to say about um, you know, what the trends we typically see in, in uh, our culture today in terms of spirituality and, and seeking out um, this, this type of preaching that, that Paul's warning against is um, they're not listening to be saved. They're, li- they're not listening to learn the way of righteousness. They're just it's a checkbox mentality. I need to do this. Or maybe they believe that they already are saved because they raised their hand during a prayer. Again, unsound doctrine. So those who preach and those who desire to hear should make sure that the preaching is that which pleases God. Something that uh, I think is a important whenever um, someone does preach the good news and preach the gospel is to provide an invitation and whether it is an invitation to uh, be baptized that option is always available the water is always ready uh, even if it's not physically ready back there we'll find water but it is physically ready I know the pump came on last night and scared me as I was walking out the door it turned on just as I opened the door it terrified me um, not to mention the waiters are still hanging back there on the ladder. So every time I open that door, it's like someone's standing there. <laughs> Anyways, 
if you're here tonight and you have not been baptized for the remission of your sins, uh, the water is ready and we are, um, we are willing and happy to, uh, to help you with that. If there's another need, the invitation is not always, nor is it ever really just for uh, the needs of salvation or, or the call for baptism. It's, it's for your needs as well. Uh, you know, I think the invitation is one of those things that, of course, we don't really see anything in Scripture related to, you know, a preacher must give an invitation at the end of his lesson. But, you know, we want to provide an opportunity for you and whoever's here that if you have a need that the church is not aware of, if you're in need of prayer, if you're in need of repentance, that, that you desire the prayers of the elders. I mean, that's a, this is a better time than any. Uh, it, I think oftentimes, and I'm getting off on a soapbox here, um, but I think oftentimes when it comes to the invitation, it's, it's seen in a negative light. That anybody that goes forward is they're they're having a problem with sin and and shame on them. Well, that's not how we should treat each other as brothers and sisters. We need to be lifting them up and encouraging them um, to go forward and and uh, make their make their needs known because we are a family, uh, and you can't help your family if you don't know the needs that are needed. Uh, so, if the church can assist you with anything tonight, won't you come forward while we stand and sing?